Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at celebrationedm. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. We've been on this series now uh, for the last three weeks, and this series has all all been about really, um, you know, we can compromise beliefs and values, uh, even God's word. And what the beautiful resistance is about is about how we're called to renew our minds and really renew our culture and really replace that compromise with conviction. And that's the important part is replacing compromise with conviction. In the first week, we talked about worship. The second week, we talked about honor. Last week, we talked about apathy. And today we are talking about hospitality. Hospitality. I know it's a bit different of a subject you might think. I know for me, when I think of the word hospitality, I I always go back to the earlier days of our church. And this is probably the early 2000s, like 2001, 2005. I remember that during the the message right now, there'd be a team of people called the hospitality team. And they would be out in the kitchen. They'd be uh, prepping coffee, Tea, uh, church, uh, sorry, church juice, not regular juice. It's like juice, but with half the amount of juice crystals. And you just <laughs> kind of go like this every time you drink it. But uh, they'd be preparing those. And then they'd also be preparing these trays of random, just like cookies, square stuff that people would just like make throughout the week and bring it. And there was always these, this uh, like Nanaimo bar that, that was a staple. It was like a store-bought Nanaimo bar. I remember those being like a super clutch thing if you didn't like anything else in the platter. But literally, you'd go out after service and people would be holding the trays. They wouldn't always be on the table and they'd be walking around. Like imagine when you're out there right now talking to someone, someone just comes up to you with a tray of cookies and squares. It was the best. And I think, you know, 20 years later, it might be time to bring back the hospitality team. But, okay, yeah, we can share for that, baby. I'm not promising anything. I just, I'm just dreaming. Um, uh, so that's what comes to me initially when I hear uh, that word hospitality. But today what we're going to talk about is much more than that. We're going to kind of um, uh, break down really what uh, hospitality meant in the life of Jesus and what that meant to him. And we're going to look at his example to us about what hospitality meant in his life and how that can look like in our lives. So when we define that word hospitality, again, it's not people in the lobby serving us squares. I have to keep fixing that in my brain. What it really means, what we're going to do is we're actually going to look real quick at the Greek uh, meaning for the word hospitality. And maybe you're new here. Maybe you've been coming for a little while and you're like, why do they sometimes always talk about the Greek meaning for these? Like, do they just love Greece or something? What's these guys? But the reason why is because the New Testament of the Bible was originally written in Greek. So sometimes when we look uh, at the root words in Greek, it really helps us give a full understanding of the picture of what the writer uh, was trying to tell us in the Bible. So the Greek word we're going to look at today is called philoxena. Philoxena. I don't know if I'm saying it right. I've been trying a couple times this week. Philoxena. Let's say it like that. But really what this word means is friend to the stranger. That's the definition of it, is friend to the stranger. And now when we look at Jesus' life, is how did Jesus act now in this, con- in this context of hospitality? How did he act in-, in the way of being a friend to the stranger? And really, how did he respond to people, and specifically the people that, you know, that were different from him, these strangers? Now, I know that when we hear the word you know, stranger, usually in our context, we just use that as people we don't know, people that we never met before. We tell our kids, you know, don't talk to strangers. But what I want to consider us to consider strangers as today and really look at that is just people that we would consider more like outsiders. You know, people who might look different from us. Maybe they have like different views than us. Maybe they just are from a different country than you. Maybe they look different. Maybe they're just uh, different minorities, groups from where you're from. But we've had this... Uh, 
new social change movement that I've seen over the last couple of years where it's really been about uh, where previous generations might have, you know, had a preference on people based on their, maybe their economic class or their religion or maybe their race, but we've seen this new generation kind of uh, arising that really says that they um, value the sameness, that it's all about words like, you know, diversity and, and equality, but what we're going to talk about today is we're going to look at what Jesus says and has how he, you know, reached out to people that were different from him. And it wasn't for the sake of these terms like equality and diversity. I don't want you to get confused with what the secular world says. But what we're going to look at is that what Jesus looked to people that were strangers, people that were outsiders and that were different from him, he did this for the sake of bringing salvation and redemption to everyone is that he, stood, he understood that no matter where people were from, no matter what their background is, no matter how they looked like, no matter, um, again, what kind of category of their society they were, is that everybody was a son and daughter of Christ and that everybody needed eternal life and that that was his job when it came to strangers, that despite wherever they came from, is that they all need Jesus. Now, the question I kind of want to propose to you today and kind of put in your heads and think about as you leave today is how are we showing hospitality so that strangers can encounter Jesus. How are we showing hospitality so that strangers can encounter Jesus? Now, the most direct way to answer this question before we kind of look at scripture is we can just kind of slap the answer on there is just be the church. You know, all we gotta do is just be the church. That's how we do that. Because we know that the church is all about belonging, right? We literally write that on our walls outside is that we, and we say it every Sunday that we're not just a place to attend, but we're a place to belong, right? And then Jesus is not trying to reaffirm our belonging as existing believers, but he wants to bring belonging to those strangers, the people that don't know him, the people that are on the outside that aren't part of this. Jesus wants to bring the belonging to the stranger. Now, Paul, he's talking to Christians here, and we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Again, he's speaking to Christians, and here's what he says. Remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So we're gonna start with number one today in our notes. And number one is this, is build compassion for the stranger. Build compassion for the stranger. Now, in order for us to begin to actually walk this out and see this happen, it has to be rooted out of a place of compassion and desire to see others come to know Christ. It can't be out of just an obligation or just something we feel like we have to do. It's not about works. It's about a desire in our hearts. It's about compassion. It's about us seeing people. And like Paul is talking to us here at the beginning of this verse 12 in Ephesians, he says that word, remember. Remember that you were once a stranger to and separated from Christ. He's asking us to remember this place in our hearts that we were once them. Now, I know in the busyness of our lives and everything we have going on in our own needs, it's easy just to simply lack compassion and sometimes desire for others. Uh, I know it happens to me sometimes, but maybe I'm just a jerk and it doesn't happen to you, but we just get caught up, so caught up in our own needs and the things that we have to get done for our own families. Sometimes it can be hard to just remember and have this root of compassion and desire for others. But we have to be reminded of what Paul is trying to say here. He's trying to put us in that context, is that always remember that you were once them, is that you were once separated from Christ, and just to breed that desire and that compassion for others. And Jesus was our example of carrying that compassion for strangers that came into our life. And that's our job as the church now, to just build that compassion for the stranger and to have that rooted out of that understanding again that we 
were once them. Now, we're going to take some time today, and we're going to look at uh, the book of Luke chapter 14. We're going to kind of talk through this story a little bit here over the next few minutes, and we're going to break it up a little bit. But just to give you context before we start reading it is that Jesus goes, he sits down uh, at a Pharisee's house, and he's with a group of Pharisees, and they're there to eat together. And he starts talking to them, and he starts kind of getting in their ears and starts to break down little things that he notices in them, with them being very religious and about rules. And then he, first he starts talking about the Sabbath, and he starts kind of picking apart um, the rules that they had. And then he starts talking to them about letting uh, others honor them, and then them not trying to honor themselves, but allowing others to do that instead. And then he starts talking to them about showing hospitality to people and about eating with people. And here's what he says here. We're going to start in 14, Luke 14, verses 12 through 15. And then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they might invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table who heard, who, uh, with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. We're going to number two today in our notes, and it's this. Help those who can't help you. Help those who can't help you. He's telling us that, um, uh, you know, when we show hospitality to others, people that can't do something and repay us back, that God's going to be the one to repay us. He's going to be the one. Is That's not just about the people who can do something else for us and just easily repay us. Now, I don't want you to get confused. Jesus is not being religious and stuffy here. He's not saying, don't hang out with your friends, don't hang out with your neighbors or your family. Of course, we're going to do that. But he's trying to get a point across to these Pharisees because he knew the way they were acting was only rooted out of that. And he wants us to bring us to that understanding and get, get our hearts in the right places that we're looking at people who can't do anything for us and people that we'd have compassion for, people that can't repay us back in our own lives. And that's really what this writer uh, is trying to get to with us and that we can have that heart and desire for others, people who can do nothing for us. And you know, I think it's, I think it's important to remember to really kind of grasp this understanding is that it's important to remember that God is a father. And when he's talking here, he says, go and talk to those uh, people that are, uh, sorry, invite those people who are crippled and blind and lame. So you have to remember if God's a father, these are his children who are blind and crippled and lame. Imagine if you're in God's position, this is your kids, how you'd feel about someone who's reaching and extending out and, and loving on those people, right? Just, I think that gives us a great picture of just the gratitude we would have as a parent for those kids, for someone coming in to these people that are outsiders and, and look different and talk different than other people. And God's just really trying to grasp at our hearts to remember that he is the father. Put yourself in God's position. What would you do to someone? How grateful would you be to someone who reached out to your kids in that scenario? Right? Your heart would be overjoyed. And I really believe this is how we can see God's heart when we're remembering always that people are his children. And I love how he addresses this to the Pharisees. It's not just about finding those people who can help you, that, can't repay, that can repay you, but those who can't. Like, I know... We can get caught up this, with this easily kind of in the, the business world, right? We, we, we use that word networking with people that can kind of help us maybe move uh, our, our career or our business forward. But God wants us to look at a different perspective. He wants us to show hospitality to someone who can't help you at all. Let God be the one to bless your life. Let God be the one to repay you in the end. Help those who can't help you. All right, number three we're going to jump into is this. Work through your excuses. 
Work through your excuses. Now we're gonna continue uh, in this story in Luke 14 where Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and, and now he decides to jump into a parable and he tells them a story here in Luke 16 and it goes this. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I am on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. I'm not exactly sure what it looks like to try out oxen, but I'm sure it sounds fun. And then still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Okay, that guy had a decent excuse. But here's the thing. All three of these guys, they had, they had an excuse, but nobody in these scriptures is saying, I don't want to come, I don't want to be at your banquet, your dinner. They're all saying, hey, I have other things to attend to that are just more pressing right now. This is my priority. Sorry, I can't be there. And then Jesus goes on the story in verse 21. He says, the servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant to go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet." Now, just to put this in context a little bit, is that when he says the outside, outside the city altogether, what that meant historically in this time is those are the people that were like the heathens. They were the, the lowest spiritual people. It was, they used the term that it was beyond worth saving them. So, you know, we use that, that term that like, that person is too far gone. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He's using that as examples, those people that were too far gone. And he's using that really to give us a, a picture of an extension of God's love to the world. That, that we can go out beyond that, that we're supposed to carry that now to the lowest layer and to the outer circles of their society. And that's, that's the point that Jesus is trying to get across. And, and as we work through our excuses and, you know, we don't take no for an answer, just like this man in the parable is that, you know, he could easily just kind of got discouraged at asking the handful of people that, that all had an excuse not to go. But instead, the man decides he's going to push and he tells them to keep on looking to keep on going further. And how many know, I don't know about you, but it can be super easy just to get discouraged with those few different no's and those few people that are gonna turn you down and give excuses, but God's telling you just to keep pushing forward and to go onto the, out, the, the outer circles, the outer layers of your life to make the table full, just like it says in the scripture. Matthew 13, 22 says, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. I don't want to allow my excuses to choke God's word and make it unfruitful. You know, I mean, it's just so easy. It's so easy just to say, uh, to have reasons why people can't come and people can't do something, but I don't want to allow those excuses to choke God's word and make it unfruitful in my life. Number four, hospitality is our call as the church. Hospitality is our call as the church. I read this week, there's this New Testament professor, his name was Joshua Jipp, and he said that the entire ministry of Jesus is appropriately captured in the phrase, divine hospitality to the stranger and the sinner. Divine hospitality to the stranger and the sinner. Now, 
Here's the thing about Jesus is that hospitality wasn't just like a strategy he had. It wasn't something that he would just kind of dabble in. But it was literally the strategy for his life. It was literally what he did. It was going and it was being with people. It was eating with people. It was sharing time with others. You know, if you look through actually the whole book of, uh, of Luke, literally it's just story after story of Jesus. Either He's either going to a meal or he's at a meal, or he's, or he's leaving a meal. Literally, like all these stories, the guy just like loved to be and eat with people. And that was literally his strategy for, for reaching others and being with them. And, and uh, here's the biggest difference, though, is what separated him apart from the Pharisees is that he was all about including people who, weren't, who were or were not part of the religious culture of the day. And that's really what separated him when people looked at him from the Pharisees, is that the Pharisees were the religious leaders that people looked to, but they're all about their, their circle, they're all about hierarchy and just honoring each other and not looking to the outsiders. They used to call people on the outside um, dogs. They would use that to refer to Gentiles. But Jesus would come in and he would humanize those people who were considered the outsiders of that time. And he was all about just welcoming others into his life. And it's easy that our culture's hospitality can be kind of all about people like us at times. You know, whether we, we mean to uh, intentionally or not, unfortunately, it can just kind of uh, come to that and really be just about the people who are like us. And Jesus' unconditional approach, it was really about taking down those borders and indifferences between us all. It was really just removing those things that people would have and he would break them down. And really, when we look at it and we look at everything that our culture is going through and what they're saying that they're craving and wanting, really what they're actually wanting is just the way Jesus lived his life. That's really what they're actually looking for. They might use words like, you know, equality and diversity, but really what they're, when we look at scripture, they're looking about the way Jesus lived his life and his extension to everybody, no matter what their background was, no matter what their beliefs were, no matter who they were, what family they belonged to, is Jesus was about accepting everyone. And he is supposed to be that example, and we're supposed to live that example out in our own lives. And here's what the church isn't, though. I think we can get confused without realizing it when we talk about um, uh, us being a place to not attend, but a place to belong. I think without uh, meaning it, sometimes as we belong, it can become a, kind of a safe haven, you know, a place where we come, we get saved, we start belonging, and then we kind of just hide and be safe from the rest, the, the rest of the world. So I don't want you to, you know, when you drive in, we have fences everywhere. I don't want those to confuse you. Those aren't to keep people out because we don't want anybody else in here. You know, actually, when we first bought these buildings, they had barbed wire like you'd see in a prison that would wrap around the whole thing. But thankfully, we took those down. Probably gave, probably gave uh, the wrong message to people. Um, you know, in a couple weeks, like they were talking about earlier, is our car show coming up. This is literally, uh, you know, the biggest event that we do as an outreach. And really, it's all about us just being hospitable to our community, to our, our, our city, is that people can come with their families, uh, their neighbors, their dads, and really just enjoy their time here, see a lot of awesome cars, grab food. We're really just being hospitable and just welcoming and accepting everyone to come in. And, you know, the thing that we don't do is we don't put a big sign up on the front that says, you know, must be Christian and water baptized to enter, right? It would obviously, that's funny. Obviously, we would never do that. And if I was to say, hey, do you put a sign up on your home that says must be, you know, Christian, baptized, enter, you'd all laugh and say, of course I wouldn't put that. But I wouldn't be surprised if we actually did an inventory of the people that we let through our house in the last maybe six months to a year that we might as well just put that sign up anyways. You know what I mean? I know I'm guilty of that, that I can look back and just be like, man, where's my heart for people sometimes? 
You know what I mean? It's not that, they're, it's not that the people aren't coming into my life, it's just that I'm just not opening myself up to people. It can just be so easy to live in our Christian circles and our ways of doing things, the people that we're comfortable with, the people that we just love to be around. And I think that's just something that I think we just need to get in our hearts today. And I don't want you just to, just to kind of sum this up to just your home and just the people out in invite over. Is that today, it's much more than that. And that's what we're, we're isolating to. We're talking about just the people that are in your lives, whether it's the people you work with, the people you might go for coffee with, uh, maybe it's the people, uh, maybe you're on a sports team, you're on a hockey team or a soccer team or something, or maybe your kids' friends' parents, right? The, those kids that, you know, you, go, you drop your kid off at the birthday party, you just kind of say a quick hi-bye to their parents and don't really engage much in a conversation with them, is that Jesus is wanting us to show hospitality to everybody. And really, it comes down to us finding ways to make strangers our guests and make guests our friends and then making our friends come and know who Jesus is. That's really what today is about. And it's about the people, again, you connect with naturally. I think it can become so easy just to think that this is like this really hard, crazy strategy that we have to go find and put ourselves in all these weird, awkward scenarios with people and interrupt them and be like, hi, you're a stranger to me. How can, we, how can we talk right now? But it's really about the people you connect with naturally, that we all have these strangers and these, these outsiders, if you will, in our lives in some type of capacity. It's about these people that we have something in common with that will connect you to them, and that's how you build community with them. And Jesus is wanting us to show hospitality to all these types of people. So, how do we create this space of hospitality the way Jesus did? How do we create this space of hospitality with others? Really, we welcome them and we disciple them. So welcoming and discipling, it really comes down to those two things. So we don't, what that means is we don't just accept people and, and hang out with them and love them, but we do more than that. It's about that we speak life, we speak truth into their lives with grace. Is that we're, we're those people that are bringing encouragement we're saying things that they're not going to hear from anybody else but the church. And that's what's super important to remember today is that you could be this person in someone's life that they're not going to hear anything about the church or about who Jesus is, but because the fact that you're the one that's in their life being able to do that. You know, there's a, a former associate pastor in a church. His name was Pastor Darwin. And he passed away actually in 2007 from a brain tumor. And he was an amazing man in our church. And I'll never forget this story he used to always tell me. He, well, he tell, told me, but he'd tell it to people all the time because he loved to make people laugh. And here's how the story went. It was a real story. He was out in a parking lot heading to his car. And he saw a, group of, a couple of guys and it looked like there was like a drug deal going on. Something that he was like, okay, this looks a little odd. So he decided that he would go and approach them and talk to them. Now, he, he's not someone to be scared of anything. Like, this guy was like, I think Pastor Darwin was at least 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and he was jacked, like, super healthy, fit guy. So he goes over, and he starts in a conversation with them, and he tells them, he goes, hey, I, I, I got a pill if you guys are interested. And they're kind of like, what, a pill? He goes, let me tell you a little bit about it. It's going to change the way you see everything. It's going to way you change, see um, your world, the way you see yourself, the way you see others. Like, this is something like nothing you've ever had before. I swear this is something that you want and you need. And the guys are like, okay, like, sure, what is it? He goes, I'll tell you what it's called. It's called the gospel. Oh, I love it. He, that was the, he, the way he, he hyped it up to that punchline was amazing. But then he goes on just to say that he took a couple minutes with them. He just kind of explained uh, Jesus and the gospel to them. And, and, and he quickly prayed over them, I believe. But I, I share that story today just because we need to bring 
people the gospel, just like Pastor Darwin would, you know, because we want to move people and bring, bring people along just like Jesus did. Is so that we're going to welcome them and then we're going to disciple them. People can, can come around Jesus and they can just drop their, their masks of identity and who they were. People should be able to be around you in your homes and your lives and not think twice about you know, the job they have, the car they drive, the home they live in, you know, the color of their skin, the way they speak. People should forget about those things when they're in your presence, just like they would with Jesus. He never tried to make people act Christian when they were around him. He just accepted people who they, for who they were and where they were at. And that same welcoming and hospitable approach of Jesus is possible in our lives because we've received his love and are accepted by who we are in Christ. It's because of Christ that we can actually live this out. Our world is, is literally exhausted by having to earn acceptance, you know, friendship, and community. And, and it's not about titling things as, as equality or diversity, but it's about showing them what it really means biblically to live this out just like Jesus did. Because when people are welcomed in God's love, you know, the hearts are literally restored. There's, there's nothing that can replace the love of God when you show that to others. Um, my wife and I, we've been living in the same house now for about seven years. And about, I think it was about five years ago now, we kind of just started doing these random things that we call like neighbor hangouts. We do them like maybe once, twice a year. So as we got to kind of know the names of everybody in the like six to eight houses kind of surrounding us, we would do these things, start doing these things again, like once a year. And what, all they were was just, um, we did one, it was like around Christmas, people just came over and we just uh, had like Christmas banking, just hang out and chatted for uh, a couple hours. I remember at the beginning of COVID, um, we did one where we uh, all met out on the street and uh, had a big fire together and hang out. And um, I believe la uh, last summer, we just did one in our backyard where we just had people come over and have dessert and everyone loves and, and gets to enjoy and just hang out and meet each other. Even one of our neighbors that's been there for at least 30 years now, she's like, oh, it's been so nice over these last couple of years just to really get to know the neighbors in our area. And you know, I've been uh, taking different opportunities to invite people, you know, to Christmas, to Easter. Um, this year, I'm going to invite, or not this year, this week, I'm going to be inviting them to the car show to come out. And I don't think actually over the last five years that any of them have actually uh, come to anything. So it's been five years of just building relationships and no one actually coming. But here's the thing is that I know, is that I know in this process of just um, making, my, making strangers my friends in my life is that I know there's going to be a time in someone's life where something's going to happen, the Holy Spirit's going to speak to them, and they're going to feel a sense in their heart, whether it's um, just a life moment or crisis, that they need to t talk to someone about who God is, and maybe they have a question. Maybe they finally have that pull that they want to go check out what church is. And I'm confident to know that they can consider me someone that they could approach, that I'm going to be their friend, and that I'm going to invite them in with welcoming arms because I've been their friend this whole time. And I'm not just a stranger to them that's kind of living on this little isolated area with all my Christian friends, is that I can actually bring those people into my life and that they know they could come to me. And I think that's just Jesus' heart for us, is that we just get to know people and love on people and be that place for them that they can come to. In 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10, it says this, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. St. Augustine, um, he was a 
a biblical scholar, and he was rumored to have a sign on his wall that literally said, he who speaks evil about an absent man or woman is not welcome at this table. Now, we, what do we put in our kitchen tables? We put gather, you know, live, love, laugh, whatever the thing is you put over your kitchen, I'm not judging. But can you imagine having your sign up that said, he who speaks, um, uh, sorry, what was it? He who speaks evil about an absent man or woman is not welcome at the table. Man, I bet you that would change some conversations we might have in our homes. See, your, your place of conversations and welcoming people, it can't be out of a place of, of gossip or complaining like the scripture was talking about. But we need to pe- see people um, uh, the way God sees them. And that means we're not speaking in a way of negativity about each other. Unfortunately, I think we see this more in the Christian circles. At least I have. where We complain about people, friends, family, or maybe something going on at church or something like that. But our conversations have to honor God. Because we can be great at bringing people in, but what we're filling them with can't be a place of gossip and complaining about others in our lives. It has to be a place of honoring God. Because God, he's looking for people not just to open their homes, but open their hearts to them. And Hebrews chapter 13, one to two says this. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing, for, sorry, for by so doing so, some people have shown hospitalities to angels without knowing it. I'm gonna read that last part of that again. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Now, angels are messengers coming to warn or give good news throughout the Bible. And if you look at the story of Abraham in Genesis chapter 18, uh, he has these three visitors that come by, and Abraham literally just breaks his back immediately for these guys. He makes them fresh bread, uh, gets some milk, he even kills a cow and feeds them a cow. I've never done that for any of my neighbors, but... Um, uh, he just shows them this, just this hospitality. And guess what? God ends up using the visitors to give him a message and that one year his wife would have a child. You know, I wonder what would have happened if Abraham never showed hospitality to those strangers. What if by refusing those strangers in our lives, we could actually be refusing guidance and wisdom that God wants to bring to us from others? What if God is trying to send people, you know, angels into your world, but you just keep the door closed? What happens to us if we refuse a stranger. So we might actually be shutting out something God wanted to do in our lives. Maybe God is trying to send you someone, you know, just like he did to Abraham. And the question is, are you willing to open the door and to host someone, to be someone's friend? Our biggest fears about people can be turned into the greatest opportunity in our lives. Your hospitality, it's not just a favor to someone, it's not a privilege, but what biblical hospitality is, it's literally just a gift offered to someone. It's that root word we talked about earlier. It's a friend to the stranger. And really it becomes just a lens which we can see Christ. And, by, and that question again I want to leave you today is just how are you showing hospitality so that strangers can encounter Jesus in their lives? Can we just stand together? Can we just pray over this? With all our heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to pray right now just for, for everything that we've learned today, Lord God. We just pray right now that you've put names and people and just faces in our hearts that people might be in our our different uh, areas of life and our common interests, Lord God. But there's a work that you wanna do through us, Lord God, is that you want us to 
make those strangers become guests, those guests become friends, and those friends get to know who Jesus is, Lord God. I just pray right now, Lord, that you just build a, a passion in us and just a compassion and desire just to see others know you and just remembering that we were once them, Lord God. We once didn't have this relationship, this eternal life, Lord God. But I just pray right now that you just burn that on our hearts, Lord God. Just to, just to burn that fire in us, just to see others come to know you, Lord God, and to love people, to love your children, Lord God, the way that you would have us do so, Lord God. So I just pray that in your name, Lord, you just give us the patience, Lord God, and the discernment to live that out in our own lives in whichever way that looks. Amen. I want to pray one more prayer. We can just bow our heads right now again. And this prayer is for someone who's here, who you've never actually made Jesus Lord of your life. You've never actually accepted him um, as a savior. And right now, or maybe you've been coming for a while and, and you've just fallen away from God right now, but this is a moment for you just to receive salvation right now. So we're just gonna pray this together and you don't have to put up your hand or, do any, or say it out loud. You're just gonna say it in your hearts right now together. We're just gonna pray um, uh, to accept Jesus right now. God, we thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins, God. We thank you that you took away um, just our, our sins, Lord God, and you put them on the cross, Lord, so that we can have eternal life right now, Lord. Right now, we accept Jesus as Lord over our lives, and we, we take away the control from us, and we give you control over our lives, Lord God. Today, we don't serve ourselves, but we serve you as we move forward, Lord God. We allow you to lead our lives, Lord God, to transform us so we can be like you, Lord. We just thank you for this gift of freedom that you've given us and of eternal life. We pray this in your name together, we all said, Amen. Amen. Hey, you may be seated. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.